0: Hello and welcome to WordPress Coaching. My name is Angela Holden and this is episode 4 of WordPress Coaching. And boy, this is just a terrible precedent to set this early on in the show, but I missed two deadlines. I missed the Thursday episode and I missed yesterday's episode, the Monday episode. And um I think that this is a good time to to take a step back and talk about something we call content strategy and This is something that I'm developing for my own business and my own workflow and that I really try to help my clients with, and that's developing a strategy that allows you to create and publish new content, but you have to do it on a schedule that works for you. You can't set a schedule that doesn't work or that doesn't fit into your workflow because then it's always going to seem like a hassle. It's always going to seem like something you have to do or you're just going to be too busy to get to it. And that's not what we want. We want a strategy that that works, um, that becomes a habit and that works with our current workflow so we can get all of our work done, but that we can also create our content and put the word out about what it is that we do and how it is that we help our clients. So I'm uh you know, I'm I'm new to my business. I've been running my business as a freelancer on and off for the last two years. I I've always freelanced at least part-time, but I've also, for the majority of the last two two years, I've been employed as a full-time front-end WordPress developer. So um, developing a strategy now as a full-time freelancer and and a business owner, um, I'm in the stages of working out what all of that means. Um, how do I make this work with my workflow? How do I still create content for my business and what it is that I do? And how do I, you know, continue to take care of my clients? And, um, I still believe that, uh, my, uh, twice weekly 15 minutes or less podcast is a great idea, but I have to now adjust my strategy to fit, Um, into my current workflow. So, and as I figure that out, those are things that I'm going to talk about and hopefully they will help you and get you thinking about how, um, how your strategy will work for you and how WordPress will help you with your strategy for sure. Um, Today's episode is going to be a little bit longer. I did decide I have this is a continuation of the last episode where we talked about WordPress terminology. I want to continue to talk about word, uh, excuse me, terminology. However, it's going to be a bit um, broader. So I'm going to step back and kind of look at the bigger picture of web design and maybe explain some terms. And the reason I want to do this is because, quite frankly, it comes up in my business. It comes up in the discussions that I have with my clients, um, they, the terms that we freely use in technology or, you know, really specifically in what it is that I do get tossed around, but that the average person don't, doesn't really know what they mean or um, what's a good example? Talking about somebody who's a web designer, what does it really mean to be a web designer? If you're a web designer, what part of the website do you really make? Do you really design and build the whole entire thing? Or is the role more specific? What is the difference between a designer and a developer? What's the difference between a web designer and a graphic designer? I mean, all of these things really do mean different things. And it's interesting because um, as people who are in technology, often we define them differently. So I think that that's an interesting discussion to have and I think it's worth, uh, worth expanding on. So today's episode is going to be 30 minutes, about, roughly, and then, um, well, I'll just tell you now how I'm adapting my strategy, which is that instead of literally recording twice a week, I think I'm just going to take one day a week and record both episodes, and then boom, it's done, and I've got my content, because this podcast is a really important way for me to connect with my audience and to create new content for my websites, And the work that I do. Um, So it's all about adapting and developing and and making it work for you. And using WordPress to to help you along the way. So the first thing I want to tell people about, and I know I've mentioned this in earlier episodes, is the WordPress Codex. And this is basically the support for WordPress. Um, And again, we're talking about WordPress.org, self-hosted. Um, WordPress.com is a little bit different. It's an offshoot of WordPress. Um, If you are at all interested in learning about being a better WordPress user, or you even want to get into really maybe understanding themes a little bit better, um, check out the Codex. It's codex.wordpress.org. And everything you could possibly want to know about WordPress is in the Codex. Um, From very, very beginner um, sections tutorials to really advance development as a theme builder and a WordPress developer I get an enormous amount of information from the WordPress Codex and I'm telling you now this is not light reading and this is also um, uh, this is also a part of the web that I have to read I can't skim it um, the information sometimes can be so detailed and so um, so finely finally tuned that when I have a question about how to implement something in a theme or a WordPress website and I know that I can find the answer on the codex, I have to read every word very carefully to make sure that I understand what it's telling me to do. And lo and behold, I almost always find the answers. There are lots of great resources out on the web for, for WordPress. Um, lots of people doing great work and developing the core product, but I would say the majority of the information that I get comes from the codex. So definitely check out the codex. Um, Another part of wordpress.org that I think you would really, really like is, well, first of all, if you go to wordpress.org, you can create an account, you can become a user, you can basically register to use the site, and then you can go to the forums. They have great forums on on wordpress.org and if you have questions or you need help you can ask questions in the forums and there are really experienced developers on the forums answering questions every day and uh, I also find an enormous amount of help from the forums in fact forum question and answers sometimes oftentimes when I'm googling a question those answers often come up in search results so if you're thinking that what you what you, the the question you're trying to get answered isn't appropriate for WordPress just go ahead and ask anyway. You never know who is going to answer the question. You never know who is going to help. Who that question and answer is going to help in the future. Um so it's a great great resource and it's a good way to get involved. You never know what that could snowball into. Um, as a WordPress user, what you could end up learning and and making your own kind of contribution. So definitely check out the WordPress Codex. Um, now let let's go back and talk about that that uh, topic I brought up here earlier, where we talked about the differences between some of these terms, these job titles. What does it really mean to be a designer or a developer? So here's what I call myself. Uh, this is what I tell people who are like non-technology, I just say I'm a web designer. That's what I do. It's a fairly broad term. Um, More specifically, more specifically, what I'm generally referred to is called a front-end developer. Front-end developer. What does that mean? That means that I write the code to make the website appear in the browser. So somebody gives me a design, and then I write code called HTML and CSS, and then usually there's something called jQuery or JavaScript, um, and then I build that site, and I make it happen in the browser. Now, WordPress is definitely um, built, on a, built on a language called PHP. It's a programming language. It's a backend language. It's a language that talks to a database and retrieves information. Um I am not a programmer. I'm really not a back end person at all. However, I'm very good at WordPress. WordPress has sort of rewritten PHP. It's I I like to call it kind of a watered down version of PHP. And because WordPress is so incredibly easy to learn and use, I've be also become a WordPress developer or I guess programmer if would not be inaccurate so I can call myself a couple different things I can say I'm a web designer I'm a WordPress developer I'm a front-end developer all of those things are true things so let's talk about designers now what's the difference between a web designer and a graphic designer well in this business it's usually two fairly distinct things Um, I am not a graphic designer. I can use Photoshop. I can use illustrator. See, these are some of the tools that we use for graphic design. But the design work that I do is all really specific to the web. Um, Graphic designers are um, often they're doing logo design. They're doing print design and designing for Print materials like business cards or letterhead, things like that, is often much different than designing for the web. There really are two different things. Um, they're concerned with branding and they're thinking about color and typography, and those are all things that I also think about. But they do it for something much different, generally. Um, their focus is generally much different. So, and again, it just depends on who you talk to. There, are, the, the design that I do is definitely related to websites. Um, I really don't do a lot of logo design. I choose, I, I, I sort of lay out, I do the layout for a website. I will choose colors. I will choose typography. I'm almost always re- relying on images or somebody's coming to me with a logo and a set of colors and they're asking me to build a website for them. Um, often, I do have people coming to me that sort of need the whole package. They need the website. They need the logo. They need branding. They need everything, and I very rarely take on all of those things. Very, It's much more common for me to go and find the graphic designer and have them do the design work, and then I focus on the web and the development. So. I think it's important to understand that there are differences. Now, I also know web designers who are also brilliant graphic designers, but they're really not so much programmers or developers, or, or they can do a little bit. Again, WordPress makes development incredibly easy, but anything more complex than what's already kind of contained in the core or default installation of WordPress, many times those developers or excuse me, those designers are contracting out to developers to get extra help with functionality and customization. So I hope that this isn't too obtuse of a conversation. Um, But I feel like just based on my own experience with clients, it's important to sort of make those distinctions, and hopefully it'll make you more aware of who it is that you're hiring and who it is that you're talking to. So let's talk a little bit about what it means to contract out. It is very, very common for both designers and developers to have partnerships with people who can pick up where they leave off. I know that my weakness, okay, you know, sometimes is graphic design. So I have very important relationships with graphic designers and we work together. Maybe I pay them, maybe we trade. It just depends on who I'm working with and what I need done. But um, figuring out uh, what your weakness is. And then finding partnerships is often one of the best parts about this business. I mean, it just makes everything better, I think. Um, so don't be alarmed if you hire a designer or a developer and you find out that a part of the job got contracted out. It's very, very common, very common. Um, Programmers. There's another term. I, I feel like programmer is kind of um, a catch-all phrase for everything like on the back end. Um, I've also been in positions, jobs, where I've been quote-unquote the programmer. And I find that being used more as sort of a blanket or generic term. Um, there's something called a full-stack developer, full-stack meaning you do front-end and back-end. This is, in my opinion, very rare. Um, I have worked with a few full-stack people, but um, it's it's not as common as you would think. It, it had, this is, The business is too broad. There are too many things to do. Most people are picking one or two, maybe a handful of different things to get really, really good at, and that's what they do. Um, so I hope, I hope that that helps. I hope that that makes sense, but I think those are good terms to understand. Um, let's move, let's move it back to WordPress now. Let's move it back to WordPress and let's talk about what's actually going on in the dashboard. We talked about the dashboard last time, right? This is the place where you're redirected after you log into WordPress. Let's assume that we're all the administrative user on the account. Um, Maybe that's a good place to start if you own the website if you set up the website You are the admin. You're the administrative user. You're the person you have all the permissions um, You have access to everything that's happening on the back end So you're the admin you log in you're on the dashboard and there's lots happening here I think when you first log in or you first set up your site. You'll see a big welcome screen Um, And this will give you some links this will sort of point you in the right direction. Um, there's a section here that says next step. There's a section here that says more actions. And it'll sort of give you a little tour of the back end here and help you get started. And then, depending on the plugins, ooh, what's a plugin? Depending on the plugins that you use, this will determine a lot of the functionality that you have on the back end. So WordPress sort of comes with this core set of functionality, right? We've got the posts and the pages, which we talked about in the first episode. Um, we have something called a media library. That's where you add your images. And the media library, if I had if I had one complaint about the media library, it would be that you just, everything is just sort of tossed in there, right? I mean, we don't really... We're not able to really take those images or those media files and group them or categorize them or sort of arrange them Um, as nicely as you're able to arrange the content. And this has always been, in my opinion, a weakness of WordPress. I will say this, I think the media library has improved over the years, but without that ability to really organize and group things, I think that there's still a lot left to be desired here. Um, but nevertheless, the media library is where you um, put your images. You, What else can you put in the media library? You can put videos. You can put audio files. You can put PDFs. This is very common to put PDFs in your media library, and then you can create links to forms if you want to create forms for your audience. Um, very common thing to do. Um, Yeah, I think most often people are putting images back here, but also, like I said, video, audio, PDFs. Um, Gosh, I think you can put Word documents back here if you felt like you wanted to provide links to Word documents. Um, You can put zip files in here. So let's say that you have... Um, several images that you want to be able to give people to download you could create a zip file of those images and load it into your media library and then give people a link and when they click on the link it will automatically download that zip file I will warn you that depending on who your host is and what's a host the host is like your GoDaddy or your host gator right that's your server your host oftentimes there is a limit to how big of a file you are allowed to put into the media library. Now, many times um, it's pretty easy, and when I say air quotes easy, I mean that for a developer it's fairly easy to go in and change those settings and increase the limits, but it's entirely likely that you would be in a situation where you had a very small file size limit on what you can add to your media library. And You'll know because you'll try to upload a big file, like a big image, a high-resolution image, and it just won't work. It'll You'll get an error every time that the file size is too big. So uh, maybe, we can, maybe we can do an episode where we talk about how to increase those file sizes. Um, usually, though, you can just call your host and ask them to do it, and they, they should be able to help you. Um, what else do we have on the back end here? So we have comments. Ooh. Yeah, we should really do an entire show just on comments. Um, Probably the number one thing that I see in helping my clients is comment spam. That is a great way to just ruin a website and make your website totally insecure and vulnerable. So there's a plugin that comes with the default installation of WordPress, and it's called Akismet. And you can follow the links to sign up for your free Akismet account and get a license key. And Akismet will monitor the comments that are placed on your blog. Um, And if it flags the comment as spam, it'll put it into like a little spam queue, right? And and you'll have to go in and look at it and decide, yes, this is spam, delete it. Or no, this isn't spam. Go ahead and, and publish it. And um, I, gosh, I once worked on a site, I was hired to work on a site where they had 270 blog posts. And because the comment form on that particular site was insecure, some hackers and bad guys had gone through and using spam and using the comment form had injected, for lack of a better term, injected just some nasty code into all of those blog posts. And if you were looking at the blog post, you didn't, you couldn't see it. But if you actually went to edit the blog post, um, it was right there. And I had to go through 270 blog posts and manually um, delete all of that spam. And it can really do a, a a terrible thing to your database, also, because those spam comments are all stored in your database. And so now your your theme files can be infected, your database can be infected. So uh, I encourage you to sign up for that plugin, the Akismet plugin that comes with the default installation of every single WordPress uh, installation every time you install it. And every time you see comment spam come in, um, delete it immediately. Just get rid of it. Don't let it sit there. Don't just let it sit there because it's just going to do very bad things to your website. Um, What are some of the other things that we have here? So immediately below comments, we have something called appearance. And depending on the theme that you use, the the flyout menu when you hover on appearance, there could be a couple different things in this menu. WordPress um, has this thing called customize. So the first thing in that menu is themes. And if you click on that, you'll see all the themes that are installed on your site. And I think three, I think three themes that are made by WordPress come with a default installation of WordPress. Below that is a button called Customize, and that's a way to customize usually your navigations, your site title, um, I think the widgets. This again, there is some core functionality associated with that Customize button, and that is all specific to WordPress. And then WordPress makes it possible for thema authors to really build that out and give people a better, more custom experience customizing their website. Um, It's caused a little bit of controversy because WordPress has said uh, that if you build a theme with theme options and not their new customized tool that they will no longer allow your theme into their free theme repository. And that that free theme repository is a really important place for a lot of theme authors because they'll create themes and give them away for free, but then they'll create another version of that theme with more options and sell it. And theme options are a very big deal right now. Well, I mean, right now they're probably always going to be a big deal because it's a way for theme authors to build themes and give people lots of options for customizing their websites and there are lots of great ways to build theme options and there are lots of people spending hours and hours and hours developing theme option frameworks and i use one so i know that they're a great thing um, but it's caused some controversy for the people who really like to get those free themes into the repository that WordPress won't take a theme with a, that part of the theme built out. They won't take a theme that's got um, you know, there a, a, a set of theme options that doesn't belong to the core. So it's a, kind of an interesting thing that's going on right now. Um, I don't build themes for the repository. Um, I build my themes for my clients I sell my themes on Etsy um, and I, I I have a tendency to build very modest theme options anyways and I don't honestly I don't like the customizer um, it's an awkward experience for me to use that customizer I' just maybe I just haven't gotten used to it yet I don't know. I've worked on some sites that use the customizer and use it fairly well but I still find it to be kind of awkward and frankly, a little bit buggy. I've run into some situations where it just didn't seem to work quite right. Um, okay, so let's move on below. Customize is widgets. Um, Now widgets are not automatically updated or activated rather when you are using WordPress. Again, this depends on the person who bought, um, who developed and created the theme. They specifically have to activate widgets in their theme in order for this to show up on this part of the menu. Um, menus also have to be activated. It's not automatically going to show up, but if somebody does not activate widgets, you are more likely to see menus always activated than you are to see widgets always activated. So. Um, And then below that you would see a button called editor and this is kind of a a part of the site that I like to caution people against because if you click on that and you don't really know what you're doing you're going to be faced with a big open window filled with code (laughs) and if you accidentally click and delete or do something there you could cause some problems so I just caution people to be really careful with that part of the site. If you want to click on it and just take a look, that's fine. But, you know, just tread lightly. That's all. Below appearance, we have a section of the site called plugins. And um, we've talked about, you know, I've talked about plugins a couple of times here. What is the core? What's the role of a plugin? What's the purpose? What's the point of it? So WordPress, we have this core installation, this core functionality plugins are a way to extend wordpress and they're enormously popular and if you go to wordpress.org there is a repository filled with wonderful free plugins now part of the problem with that is that there are a lot of plugins in the repository that are not well developed they don't function as well as they should maybe they don't play nice with your theme um maybe uh, somebody building a theme really felt like they needed a piece of functionality for a client site, or they had an idea and it worked well for them. So they turned it into a plugin and made it available, but it just doesn't work quite right for other people. I mean, there are lots of funny situations where plugins just don't do what you want them to do. Um, But on the other hand, there are some plugins out there that are so well-developed and they are such an important part of WordPress websites and how I build websites and the work that I do for my clients that I couldn't imagine not having access to them. And on top of all of that, they're free. I mean, it's just really remarkable, the functionality that you can get from a plugin. So here's how I'll ask you to proceed with, with plugins. Treat it like you're on Amazon and you're shopping read the reviews. They have a review system, read the reviews, check to see, um, check to see when is the last time a plugin was updated? Because it will say if you, if you click on a plugin in the upper right hand corner, it will say, um, here are the four things it will say, it'll say requires 3.6 or higher. So I'm looking at the BuddyPress plugin. It says requires 3.6 or higher. That's WordPress version 3.6 or higher. Compatible up to 4.3. That's the current version of WordPress. So, last updated August 27th, 2015. Well, that's like in the last three or four days. That's really good. And then it'll tell you active installations. How many active WordPress websites is it currently installed on? And this says more than 100,000. Immediately below that, there's a rating system. And then immediately below that, it will show the plugin authors. And then below that, it'll it'll give you sort of a little, um, it'll give you a link to the support forums if you need help and you have questions. And it's got a lot of great stuff here. It'll give you a description. It'll tell you the installation, the FAQ, the screenshot. So, and, and plugin authors can include as much or as little information as they want, but just... Look at this with a critical eye when you're looking for a plugin and treat it like any purchase that you would make. It would seem, it probably seems like you don't, you know, is nothing venture, nothing gained or easy come, easy go because it's free, but really the wrong plugin can do damage to your website. So if you think that you found something that's a good solution for you, it's well developed, it's well reviewed. Um, go ahead and use it go ahead and try it so you know give it give it a go and see what happens so we're just about um at the 30 minute mark and i think that this was a good episode uh in in terms of terminology um, no pun intended. I think on the next episode, I do want to continue this discussion a little bit more because we didn't quite get all the way through the dashboard and the admin menu here, and I have a couple things that um, I want to continue to discuss. So tune in on Thursday this week, and I promise I will have the next next episode out on Thursday. We'll finish this discussion. And I hope that you have a great WordPress week. My name is Angela Holden. You can send me uh, emails at podcast at AngelaJHolden.com and we'll talk to you soon.